Hello and welcome back to the Pick Swap Podcast. I am James Brand as usual. I'm here with Sean Bernard. What's up, Sean? Not too much. You know, got a lot brewing in the Sixers. We got a real team again, so it feels good. Yeah, no, it's um, it's 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 nice to be what looks like completely healthy, or, or at least as close as possible, um, as, as close as we've been in a long time. So it's nice to get back. Um, and tonight we're looking at the Celtics in the first game of a two ser- two game series. Um, kind of like the same same situation as the Miami Heat last week. Um, we're getting the Celtics tonight, and then um, again on Friday, Seth Curry is back healthy today. Um, looks like we're gonna have the full regular starting five, most of our bench group. Um, what are you looking for in tonight's game? Just you know, are you are you think, thinking they might be a little sluggish coming out with uh you know a team they haven't really played with in a while, or you think you're expecting that you know full four Sixers again? Uh, I'm sure it'll be a little bit of growing pains, but for the most part, I'm I'm excited to see the the full rotation again. It feels like forever since we have had the real starters, and Curry's obviously played a major role when he's been here, so having him back is a huge factor. Uh, no Jason Tatum tonight also, so the Sixers should look to kind of find their stride again in this like a dominant two games. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so. Um, it'll be it would be very nice for them to you know just beating the Celtics at any given time, regardless of the situation, is always good. Um, but right now the Celtics are playing really well, obviously with no Tatum, it makes it a little bit more difficult for them. Um, but I mean, the Sixers should, they should win. Um, I'm hoping it's, you know, not even a heck of a wish for a lot of Sixers fans though. They always make it interesting. So I'm really, I'm super excited for tonight and, uh, and Friday night. Uh, I just, I'm really excited to watch this team get back to full strength. And I just, this is what I've been saying since this whole break and then all the rumors and everything that's going on since we've seen this team, you know, at, at full health. Um, I've just been saying, you know, wait till they get back and then make decisions because it's it's really hard to, you know, make decisions when there's not, you know, clear cut issues because you don't know what's an issue. You don't know what's just the fact that they haven't been playing together for real um, missing pieces. So I'm I'm really just kind of relieved that so everyone can kind of just relax, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, the Celtics team without Jason Tatum should have no business beating the Sixers team. So I really hope they kind of find their full stride make this a dominant victory uh hopefully everybody's healthy and beats supposed to play we got if the full strength for the first time in a while Furcon's back we'll get to that a little bit but uh, yeah i think we'll get a kind of look at like the real rotation again and the impact seth carry will make just by being there is massive so that's that's gonna be huge to watch yeah um so we can we can move on to you know getting to some some specific things uh We've had this this whole discussion, and this has been a hot topic since the trade rumors. Um, what are we looking for from Ben Simmons in this game and and for this next stretch? And before we even start, I just want to, um, I mean, we everyone knows where we kind of stand. We're, this is kind of the one thing I think, Sean, that you and I defer on, mm-hmm. um, which is strange. It's a weird feeling, but I, I'm really excited to see him again, and I'm really like I get excited to watch him play, um, which I think is why i struggle so much to like give like slander him because i i like i just get excited to watch him play because i know what he's capable of but that's kind of what i'm looking for in this series is just these back-to-back games you know there's no jason tatum so he's probably going to be guarding jalen brown you need to stop him that's what Mm -hmm. i'm like at this point if following him uh, around the around the court for uh, throughout the game the Celtics have nothing else other than than jalen brown at that point um but offensively obviously has been the main concern so what are you looking for from him offensively tonight and Friday um, with no, like I'm assuming vice versa, Jalen Brown will be on him as well. Um, so what are you looking for just in this next, you know, two games or this next week or so from Simmons that will might get you back on board? 
Yeah, James, and I mean this as like a serious statement. I think there's something wrong with Ben Simmons. Like, I think he's hurt and playing through something, yeah. or there's something going on because this is the worst I've seen him play in his whole career. The, I mean, the career worst points per game isn't the biggest concern based on. I know you talk about like whoever the baskets, uh, wh- whoever scores the basket doesn't matter as long as they're points, but more turn- turnovers per game than he's had in his whole career. He's overpassing in a way that like even for him is extreme. And I know he's such a natural, like unselfish player, but the like amount of times he's overpassing and like passing to guys when he should be shooting or just like forcing a pass when it's just not there to try and get like creative and overplay it is so detrimental to this team right now. And it's like a, just like he's become a selfish player by trying to be over selfish. And it's one of those, like he's so passive in a way that like, even though like he's never been in a, I guess an aggressive player throughout his career and just the way that he attacks the basket with that. But he even seems to have gone up a notch on that. And I'm really starting to question like, is there something like he doesn't necessarily have like the explosiveness or something like that? Like, is the knee bothering him or is there something there? And I'm starting to have like concerns with that. Yeah. Um, when you say it, yeah, it, it does make sense. There's been a lot of weird things that have happened. Um, I don't know if he rushed back from this injury, just trying to get ready for this season. But I, as of right now, I'm kind of chalking it up to he's kind of the piece in Doc's system that needed to change the most in, in, in some ways. Um, not that he needs to change the way that he plays, but I think he became so much of a focal point for Doc that, like, I don't know how to say it. Honestly, I'm, I'm just waiting for him and Doc to figure it out. Like, there's been coming into the season with such it was kind of like, okay, there's changes that need to be made and I have to make them. And this is the first time in his career that we've seen him actually make some changes while also, like, he's just kind of figuring it out in this middle ground. And normally you'd have this in the preseason, or like, you know, a full off season, a full camp, a full preseason with this coach. It, it happens so quickly that I think we're seeing these growing pains early um, in the season because he's trying to figure it out. That's why I've been saying this whole time that I think the second half of this season, we're going to see a better Ben Simmons. And that's, I, maybe just the anecdote I'm using to get me through these hard times, which, you know, it might, that might be true. Um, but with Ben, I think, you know, the jump shot and, and just offensively in general, I think Doc's kind of changing him. And he's kind of playing, just kind of playing through it. And I've questioned myself sometimes, and I've questioned Doc sometimes, where it's like, wow, Ben's playing terribly right now. Why is he still in the game? Like, why does Doc keep him in there? And I think Doc's kind of like just making him play through these horrible stretches and play through all these bad times so he can just figure it out. Um, it, it, that That's maybe not the cure-all. I don't know what the cure-all is. Um, but it is. it has been very frustrating from Ben. Um, and it's been disappointing because of how big of a fan I am of, of his and watching everyone kind of flip the switch on him. Um, I just I want to see better from Ben. Um, and I don't necessarily need anything to get me back on board because I, I'm still on board and I still think there's a good player there. Uh, I still think there's a great player there. And I'm just what I need from him is to just look like he wants to play basketball and he wants to score and he wants to help this team in a lot of ways, because sometimes it just looks like he's kind of confused or lost on the court, which is unacceptable at this point. Yeah, I mean, long term, I'm still not heavily concerned with Simmons. Like, he still brings a lot to the team. There's a lot he does well. He has such like a unique skill set. But it's kind of one of the like, like when you talk about him shifting his game, like he's not making drastic shifts in a way that should affect his game in the way that like it looks like it is. Like a pull up three that you uh, airball or something like that, adding that to your game is not like a the end of the world that changes your whole mindset on a game. And, like, I, I get, like, the shooting's always the number one talk about him. And, like, that's always how it's going to be with, like, 
Sixers Twitter and social media and just like how it seems like everybody in the NBA has to shoot threes. That's really not my biggest concern with him. It's just the fact he so often just drives into the lane, has no real plan with what he's doing with the ball, the way he jumps in the air with no idea where he's passing drives me nuts. He's shooting significantly worse from uh, around the rim than he has in his whole career by like over eight percentage points. He's never shot under 70% with that. And he's on in like significantly lower than that this year. I think 50 somethings the number right now, but uh, just like, I, I don't get it. Like, I, it's not making sense. Like, this was supposed to be the – we got more spacing for him. We got this new offense for him. Everything's set up. Like, this is the clear pave the way. And for him to be putting out, like, the worst statistics of his career is just so shocking to me. And it's like, I don't really know. It's it's tough because I don't see, like, the clean fix. Like, there's nothing I, I like, look at that, like, Doc Rivers isn't using him right there. Like, they're trying they, – they've used him in the post-a-ton. They use him – they still do the same, like, slashing. And it still ends up with just the, like – Simmons kind of like weird fadeaway kind of look that just like it's just not working right now and I can't understand why yeah I the thing um and I kind of just as you were as you were talking kind of thought about this in a different way I almost feel like what Docs is doing with him is he's saying this is our offense this is what we're doing and Ben's trying to do the same old thing and Doc's kind of challenging him to do different things and Mm -hmm. so like you even see like I was so furious, so, so mad. Like, I don't know if I've ever been as mad as I was after the Grizzlies game. I woke up the next morning and and, because I didn't really look at my phone after it was um, Saturday night. And I woke up the next day and I go on Instagram. I saw three straight videos, Sports Center, Bleach Report, House of Highlights, all in a row, saying, wow, what an amazing pass from Simmons as he's shooting the three and airballing it. Giannis said the same thing against the Nets the other night. Same exact thing. Same exact things, almost same situation, very similar thing, nothing. Everyone asked Ben Simmons, shoot it. Ben, shoot it. Ben has to shoot threes. Ben shot a three in a, a, not even a wide open three. Ben shot a three in the middle of a play, in the middle of the fourth quarter in a close game. Mm -hmm. That is progress. And I know it's not a lot. And I know it's not, he hasn't been doing that all the time. But that is progress. Never Never last year did you blink an eye, did you ever think, that Ben Simmons would shoot a three in the fourth quarter of a three-point game where he would have tied the game with that jump shot. He missed, but it's just like he missed any other time. It's just like any other player missing. He shot two threes the other night. He shot a fadeaway jumper from the post that went in in a close game in the fourth quarter. That's progress. And I think what Doc is doing in a lot of ways here right now is saying, this is what's going to be open for you. These wing threes, these corner threes, these posts up with the, the jump shots. He has to figure it out that when he's driving in the lane, all that spinning passing isn't going to work all the time. So sometimes you have to pull up and make that jumper. And that's what, mm-hmm. you know, you see the progression of um, Rajon Rondo and what he ended up doing in, in Boston with Doc Rivers. There's things like there are things in this game that sometimes take some time to figure out. And Brett Brown did all these things to kind of coddle Ben for the last four years. And he just kind of made, you know, the best possible of what Ben was rather than making him make himself better. And I think what Doc is doing right now is making Ben make himself better. And there's this tough period where he's, you know, taking the shots sometimes, sometimes passing them up, doing too much sometimes, doing too little others. The turnovers, that's a new system thing. That's him trying to do too much. That's him not taking what's there and trying to make something up instead. So for me, I, I'm looking at the positives of this, where it's like he had the confidence to shoot a three in a close game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. All the threes that we've even seen him take, which is only a handful, have been in blowouts or have been in, in times in the first quarter where that possession doesn't feel like it matters. 
So that's progression to me. And I know it's it's me kind of grasping at straws at this point, but those are the things I look at. And we talked about this earlier, or I wrote an article about it and we talked about it where there's a couple factors of why Ben might start shooting. And we're seeing those already. Doc is putting him in positions where he has he has to literally refuse a wide open shot in a position where he can catch and shoot. And he's he's been taking advantage of that fact sometimes. So I'm just I'm waiting on him to just, you know, make that full switch. Something's gonna click with Ben. And I think come like February, March, I'm hoping by then, like that's when we really see that 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 turn of the dial. But I mean, obviously I'm still frustrated with what's been put out so far. Yeah, and for the most part, I agree with you. When you talk about the Giannis comparison, and Giannis, it's so frustrating watching him versus Simmons to me because I Simmons, if he had a different kind of mindset in the way he attacked the game, could have the exact same level of impact that Giannis has. And it took Giannis several years to kind of grow into that, and that's what I keep looking for with Simmons, and it's just like those small steps just aren't happening in my mind. And you talk about the, the three-point attempts, the biggest difference there is it still is kind of a an eye-opener, like, you, you, it, it surprises you when Simmons shoots a three or a deep jumper. Giannis is averaging five three point attempts a game. Like, that's a legitimate NBA like quality there. And Simmons has, is until he gets to that level, he's not going to get that respect. And I, I get it, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to take like happening, but he just kind of has to have that mindset where he doesn't care. He's just going to pull it. It's when it's going to be there. It's always going to be there until he proves defenses otherwise. And again, I don't think it's a mechanical issue. I don't think it's a, a shot issue. I think it is pure mindset with him and just the willingness to shoot. And I also think like Doc has done a decent job coddling Simmons as well in a way that I didn't, I don't really like, and I get it's probably completely different behind closed doors. And I'm sure Doc is much more direct with Simmons than Brown is, but there's still the same like deflections from the media that I don't care if he's shooting the everything with that. So again, I, I tire out on the, Simmons seems to get so many free passes with this and like it the failure of growth is just like so frustrating to me just like I really do like you can make a real argument that he looks like a worse player right now than he did his rookie year and I think that's completely fair yeah and I mean I look at it kind of as what a lot of players go through in like their sophomore slump type of thing where they kind of got figured out and they had to make changes and they struggle for a bit um Ben never had that problem because I think Ben as a pure talent is just a lot better than a lot of players in the NBA and just a lot better than any, everyone he's basically played against growing up and then up until this point. But um, when you have such a flaw in your game, it's not um, it's, it's much easier to contain you and it's much easier to make changes. And those players don't have to be better than you to make more of an impact be on that side of the ball. Because if their defense, if like you, you just look at like the way the Celtics play them and the way the heat play them and, you know, they're putting centers on him and they're saying, give him eight feet of space and just try to, you know, wall at the at the rim and make him make a tough shot. Um, and there's games where he makes those tough shots and then he scores a lot of points. Um, there's games where he misses those tough shots and then he's kind of, you know, a wall the rest of the game. Um, I think what they're doing is allowing him to see how difficult it's going to be with him trying to do the same thing over and over again. And that's why he's struggling. And Doc's saying, I'm giving you the way to make this difference. You just have to do it. And that's, that's what I'm seeing as of right now. And that's why I'm still hopeful. And that's why I'm still confident that he can make this change and become, you know, the player that we think he should have been or, or should be. And again, he's, he's still so young. He's still only 24. And I know it's frustrating that he's been, you know, this highly touted player at a high school and out of college. And he was a number one pick. And he was, you know, the savior of this franchise. And, and that's, 
that's the expectation we had for him. We had him coming in. Oh, he's the next LeBron. He's going to be averaging 28, 10, and 10. It's like, maybe let's just pump the brakes and see what he is and let everyone figure it out. Um, obviously, again, I know that that's the same thing we've been saying, and I, I understand the frustrations, and I have them, you know, I share them with everyone that has them. Um, but with Ben, I'm just, you know, with, with Doc saying, you know, he doesn't care about the shooting. I really think that's just him being consistent. Um, Brett Brown went from, I don't mind that he doesn't shoot to, I'm going to bench him if he doesn't shoot to, um, it's okay. We're just going to play as is to, I need him to shoot more. And it's like, there's just this bouncing back and forth and there was never this consistency. And then, and he kind of just let that, you know, that questioner or that, that doubt linger, um, with the media in the locker room on the court, that doubt came from Brett. That doubt came from the media that was always around doc is saying, I don't care because it doesn't matter to me. But in reality, what he's saying is, I don't care because I'm going to put him in positions where he has to shoot it. And I'm going to put him in positions where he has to figure out how he's going to score and be effective for this team, like for the long run. Um, so I, I don't know. That's that's the way I see it. I don't see him like he is deflecting it, but I think he's deflecting it mostly because he just wants to get it away. And like he wants to just make all the talk about it stop. And I'd rather that fr- from Doc than him saying, well, I need him to do this much. And then every time he doesn't do this much, everyone's looking at Ben and saying, well, he didn't shoot, you know, two threes this game. Are you going to bench him? Is it, are his minutes going to go down? Are you going to sign another point guard? So he doesn't have to play point guard. Like they're just going to, you know, cut it. They're going to nix it now the rest of the year. And that's, you know, I think that's the the more mature way of handling it. Um, we've been talking about Ben for a long time. Uh, so I, I do want to kind of switch gears here. One of the guys that we've been talking about a lot and has made a huge impact, obviously um, has been shake Milton. And Shake is, you know, 31 against uh, the Heat and then 28 points against the Grizzlies on back-to-back or in back-to-back games on back-to-back nights. But um, Shake has been, you know, you said he's, what, the fourth highest scorer on the team. Um, Mm -hmm. And in the last couple of games, he's just proven that he can, when he needs to, he can take over that role of being the scorer on the team. Um, Obviously, it didn't work out against Memphis, but really he was the only reason that they were in that game or one of the few reasons that he was in that game. Um, so what are you looking for from shake, especially once the team gets back to full strength? And we actually just got a notification that Seth Curry is actually not going to play tonight. Um, due is uh lack of conditioning after missing almost two weeks. Um, so sh- he should be back Friday against the Celtics from what, it, from what I'm reading, but um, he needs a couple of days to get back into shape. So no Seth Curry tonight. Um, that still does leave an open spot for somebody to come play in the starting lineup, whether that be Shake or Maxi, or you know, you could even see Furkan. I guess I'm I'm assuming probably not Furkan, considering he's just coming back, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but to get back to Shake, obviously, what are you looking from him, uh, looking for from him this week uh, against the Celtics, these two games, and then going forward once his team gets back to full strength. Yeah, so I'm even going to go as far as to say that come playoff time, I think Shake will be the second most important player on this team. And obviously Embiid is the alpha and the like uh, game-on-the-line guy, go-to guy, the closer. But outside of him, Shake is the best shot creator we have and the best guy that can just go get a basket when the team needs. And to, But like when Tobias Harris has been awesome. Uh, Seth Curry has been awesome. But both these guys are better when they're just catch-and-shoot set up, not creating their own chances. And uh, same with Simmons. Simmons is never going to be a guy that goes out and gets his own buckets. He's always going to be pass first and not necessarily a guy that is will be looked to late in games. And he's much more easy to game plan for than when you think about a Shake who kind of has a little bit of it all. And uh, Shake at this point, like it's it's now like a surprise when he misses a shot to me. And he looks just so smooth getting to his spots. He has a little mid range game. He just looks comfortable out there. And the Grizzlies game, I especially saw it. He's got this new like 
mentality, there's like a toughness to him and like a desire to win that is infectious on this team. And I think goes a long way in like the potential of this team. Yeah, I totally agree. Shake's been um, in a lot of ways this spark, but in, in less of a way where it's just kind of this quick flash and more of like, he comes in and he stabilizes everything because you know there's scoring coming from him at some point in time. And he's, you know, he scores three levels. He needs, he does need to get a little bit better at the rim. I feel like he he's smooth around the rim, but um, I'd like to, like, there's sometimes where he misses layups from just like, he shouldn't have missed that because not because it wasn't difficult, but because the rest of his game is so polished that it seems like sometimes that's the only part that kind of lags behind. Um, again, also he shot 43% last year from three. Um, he's, I forget what he's at right now. It's pretty low though. 32. 32. So you could probably assume that that will go up at least a little bit, um, at least a league average. And like you said, this ability for him to get to his spots and just become um, this immediate offense is, has been incredible and has been so important to the way this team plays. Um, and I think that's why we won't ever see him in the starting lineup, honestly, uh, this year. I think that we'll see him play this six man role. Cause he's really bought into it. And doc is kind of, you know, he's a six man whisperer and he's done all these things with Jamal Crawford and um, Lou Williams and everything. So with shake, I'm just, I'm very excited for him to grow and be in this role for, you know, this extended time. And he's, he's one of these guys that when you look at this team and the future of this team, um, shake Milton might be one of those guys where you're the rest of the league is kind of on notice right now, because if you don't know now, um, if you don't know now, you know, right. So <laughs> I, I'm, Shake has has put his uh, a stamp on this league so far, and he's he's put a lot of people on notice. So I think that going forward, he's a guy that everyone else is kind of game planning for. Whereas of last year, um, he wasn't even on their list. So it's been very impressive to see what Shake has been able to do, and I'm just super excited to see what he can do going forward as well. Yeah, he deserves all the credit in the world, and like I just love him. I love that he's here. He brings such like a just like a different uh, like look to the team and the way he plays and like something that's very needed in a successful playoff team and just a, a great NBA team in general is that shot creation. And especially in like the modernized NBA that we see today, like I think it's impossible to win without a, a real like perimeter creator that gets his own shot. When you think about, and we look at, there's a ton of examples for the playoffs, whether it's a guy like Jamal Murray or even like a Tyler hero or any of these guys on like playoff teams, like that's the difference between taking that next step to, like real contenders versus just being like a good playoff team. And if Shake can step into these shoes and I get, it's a lot to throw on this cause he's 24 years old. He's on one of the cheapest contracts in the league. And again, we think a year ago he was told he wasn't even going to be in the rotation for this team, but I really do think he is that good. And it's just no longer a fluke when he's playing like this. Like it's come to, we've come to expect that Shake is that good and that we expect that from a nightly basis on him. Yeah, no, he's totally – he's put all that to bed, all the, the people saying, oh, it's just a fluke. He's just getting extra minutes because people are hurt and whatever. Uh, no, he's legit, and I don't think that there's any kind of – I don't think there's an argument there anymore. Um, I don't know that there really ever was, especially from Sixers fans. There definitely wasn't. Um, but around the league, I don't know if people were just like, yeah, whatever. He scored 39 against the Clippers when everyone was hurt. He just had the ball in his hands the whole time. Um, but, but really, every time he comes in the game, it's, it, it's a little bit different. And the Sixers have this unique um, – unique roster to begin with but also just this unique way of playing and and the guys their personnel creates that um obviously with a point guard that doesn't shoot at six foot ten and you know the dominant post-up center is just not what you see anymore in the league and even the 
even the dominant centers now are guys like, you know, Nikola Jokic, who's averaging 11 and a half assists, which is just odd. It's just strange. Um, even, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, or if you, want, if you want to categorize Anthony Davison with that, none of these guys are really doing what Joel Embiid does. Um, so, so to have some normalcy with that spark plug off the bench, that guy that can get, you know, that instant offense and a guy that's going to um, create a lot of uh, offensive opportunities for himself and the rest of the guys on the team, it's nice to have, you know, that flashback to reality a little bit um, with Shake. So, I, like I said, very excited for him, and um, I'm very excited for what he brings to this team and how much better he makes this team because it's clear that they miss him when he's not around. And it's weird to say that about a guy who literally was not um, getting any minutes at all before he had to last year. So, and not to mention he was a second round, what, 54th overall pick yep. out of SMU. Like he shouldn't be here. And that's just another part why I think I like him a lot is he never doubted himself. And, and it was, we have a couple of guys like that. Same thing with Furkan. Um, and we'll get right into him after this, but uh, yeah, Shake shouldn't be here really. If you think about it in all likelihood, he doesn't make it here. Um, th- from college, you know, through the G League and up into, you know, sparing minutes throughout the year. And then he finally gets a chance and he shows everyone what he has. And now he's, you know, a massive part of this team and, and their success. Um, but like like I said, we're going to move on to Furcon here. He makes his return tonight after, what, two weeks out? Yeah, even a little more, I think. So a little over two weeks for Furcon missing. Um, and a lot of guys have kind of stepped in and played, you know, different versions of his role very well. Um, but Furkan is a guy, you know, career 40 point or 40% shooter from three. Um, and just a guy, he, he struggled late before, right before he got hurt. He, struggled, he was struggling a little bit. He had a good couple games to start the season. Um, but Furkan brings that bomber and he brings that, that just that guy that's going to run around and shoot. And he's never been afraid to take the shot and he's never been afraid to make or miss the shot. So I love Furkan. He, he makes me laugh in a lot of different ways. And like, I like him as a person. I like what, like, the comedy around him uh, maybe a little bit more so than I like him as a player, but I, I'm very excited to get him back because his role is, is extremely important on this team. So um, how are you feeling about the Furcon return? Yeah. Uh, December 27th was the game he got hurt. So looking at a little over three weeks now, uh, I'm a big Furcon guy. I think he serves a role for this team. He deserves time. And it, again, this is another guy that surprised me because I think back like a year or two ago and I think like Furcon would have no business being on this team. Yeah. But, uh, I do. I think he serves a role, his willingness to shoot. He's a, a, a good enough shooter to deserve NBA minutes. The biggest threat in my mind to him is kind of the emergence of Isaiah Joe. And I do think that's very relevant because Joe has impressed me a ton, given like the opportunity that he's jumped on. He's another guy who wasn't expected to get any major time, but given the COVID and people being out, like he took the opportunity and ran with it. He looks way more developed defensively than I gave him credit for. He shot the ball well. You can see that confidence starting to grow in him. So I don't want to see Joe get his minutes completely scrapped by Furkan. So it's going to kind of be a little bit of dogfight between uh, Joe, Furkan, and even Matisse at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm like, this is the best problem in the NBA to have. For sure. Uh, having too many guys I can shoot. And as a Sixers fan, it's so refreshing. Um, because for so long, they had such a hard time getting guys that could reliably make jump shots. And Isaiah Joe has become one of my favorite players. Actually, I, I love the confidence from this guy. And um, I was kind of worried, you know, going into the season, there was a video of his whack jump shot or whatever. The first jumper he took this season in the preseason or whatever, it looked bad. And I was like, oh, no, the Sixers did to another guy that can shoot. Um, but he, his shot looks sweet and it's smooth. And, he, you know, he is a little bit skinny, so he, he does need to put some weight on. 
um, I think to really maintain his position. But as of right now, I don't, I don't know that he's worse than Furkan at this, at this point. And um, with the, the minutes that he's had, and, and this gives you another look, like we talked about um, early in the season, the four shooters plus Joel Embiid. Like, I think if you're running that, that lineup and you have, maybe it's like shake Furkan, uh, Danny Green and Isaiah Joe, like that's a really strong perimeter shooting team with you know the best center in the league at the anchor and like you always talk about Sean defensively if you have Joel Embiid on the floor everyone's a little bit better but Isaiah Joe has has proven that he can play defense and he even mentioned that yesterday um, in his press conference that a lot of people underestimated his defense and, and you know I'm in that category as well but he's he's really impressed me um, and like you said I really don't want him to lose minutes um, or at least lose a lot of minutes because I think he's a really good threat to have offensively. Um, and he's not a negative defensively as of yet. So I'd like to see that um, his rotation minutes like stay up. Um, but also Matisse has looked good in the last couple of games. So, so do you think Matisse is, you know, with one foot out the door, or do you think he's going to find some minutes in these games as well? Uh, in my mind, to be completely honest, I still think it's most likely that Matisse is the odd man out. And I even think it's fairly likely he ends up traded as we get closer to the deadline, just based on, finding filling a greater need where we have kind of uh, uh, too much, uh, an, an overhaul of players at like the wing position. Uh, I think Joe, to be honest, has shown enough to be kind of the highest potential out of, out of these three wing guys. I think Furkan and Matisse both kind of have like their lanes of what they do versus Joe kind of has a little bit more versatility that he's flashed at this point. The heat game, he especially uh, impressed me defensively. He did a great job on Tyler hero. He had one nice, like, block where he they took him to the basket like here didn't even get it out of his hands and joe was already snatching that and he just like, staying with him he didn't get lost and like that's a, a fairly good uh, impressive matchup for joe like here is a fairly established player and is like obviously still young but that's a, a tough matchup to ask out of a rookie and uh he took that in stride uh the, it seems like the more he shoots it the more confident he gets which i also love and that's not the same especially when we talk about matisse uh Matisse to me is kind of falls a little bit into the getting trapped inside his own head and that like he's trying to do more than he really should be just based on like he is who he is he's a defensive stopper he can be adequate on the offensive end but he's never going to be a like uh, a three and d like pure shooter or anything like that and again there's still a role for what Matisse does and just based on like behind Simmons we don't have a ton of like quality defenders at the wing position so if that's still looked at as like a need and depending on the matchup we have I still think it looked at it could be when you think about like Matisse got his chance against Tatum in the playoffs last year with Simmons out and that kind of thing so I still think they have a lot of faith in him in that regard but when it comes down to I do think he's kind of third in the pecking order on that list yeah um unfortunately I kind of agree with you um I also have some other uh kind of counterparts to that uh Matisse in the last two games since coming back uh, from the health and safety protocols, he's shot a lot more. Uh, he shot, he was two for six in the last game or against the, the heat. I think I, I might be saying that wrong. Either way, he, he's shooting 50% of the last two games. Um, he's had five steals fit like uh, 16 points in the last two games combined. I know it's not a lot, but for Matisse, that's a lot. Mm. Um, especially considering he's averaging like 1.5 points per game for the year or something like that, something close to that. So I still think that they're kind of playing Matisse out right now. And um, we saw Doc say that he's kind of turned down some trades that Daryl Morey might have had, you know, ready to go. 
which is an interesting thing that we can talk about in uh, in a second. But I, I wonder if Matisse is one of those guys that Doc is kind of just waiting on for a minute. And he, he might be because of his elite defense and the way he's been playing. And he's kind of, it seems as of since coming back from the health and safety protocols, and even earlier in the year, there were times where, you know, he looked bad, but he was taking shots that he wasn't necessarily comfortable taking yet. But especially in the last two games, he kind of took the initiative to take those shots um, when they're open. And he knows that his role on this team isn't the shooter, but when he has an open shot, like he had, he cannot pass it up like he did early in the years. So I think getting some time with him, um, not necessarily that it's the best thing that could have happened for him, but, you know, have some time off to watch some film and, you know, get back into that rhythm where, you know, he missed some time early on. He kind of, he missed that little, that, that most important period, especially um, with a new coach and a new team. So I, I think that Matisse, his minutes probably will get cut just based on the fact that there's other guys that can shoot the ball really well in front of him. Um, but I still think that they are going to try to keep him at least somewhat relevant in this rotation to, you know, keep his confidence up and potentially, you know, even if they want to trade him, they have to play him at least a little bit to, you know, showcase his value up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I could see him, you know, staying on the floor here and there. And if he's playing really well, great. If he's not, you have a lot of other options. So I think doc, right. He might go with this on like a game to game basis, which is kind of frustrating as a fan because you never know what to expect, but that's the way basketball is played. And that's the way basketball is played in the modern NBA. So I could see both uh, Matisse and Isaiah Joe, maybe getting their minutes cut slightly, but, you know, fighting for these minutes based on, you know, whether Joe's shooting really well or Matisse is, you know, having a really good defensive game or his offensive game is looking good and he's bringing you more on the defensive end, obviously, than Joe. So I could see them kind of doing this seesaw where both of them might get these minutes. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And like, again, it depends on matchup versus we want a more defensive approach or offensive approach. Uh, Matisse for sure is still like an NBA level player and uh, worthy of like playing in the rotation. Like he's not a detriment while he's out there. And if he can continue like the uptick in three point shooting that he's shown over the past like couple games, like then he's very much in the conversation for the same minutes as for and Joe. And this is like a, a real problem, which is a, a good problem to have for this team. So I, don't, I wouldn't count him out by any means, but I definitely think like Joe, Joe is, and Furkan, I was impressed with early on. I think Furkan's taking great strides in like his other level two game to become oh, more than just like a catch and shoot three point guy. Like, I think there's a little more to him now. So I think uh, him and Joe kind of seem more a little, especially offensively, but overall more well-rounded. And I think the, the drop off in, offense between Matisse and these guys is bigger than the drop-off and defense between these guys and uh, Matisse, which matters. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, I'm, a, I'm all for Furkan being that guy. And it looks like, I mean, Furkan, it, I don't know what it is. It's that Turkish confidence from him. He's just, yeah. dude just oozes it. He, he never thinks his shot is not going to go in. Mm. And even now he's given this opportunity, you know, bring the ball up here and there and, you know, be a playmaker, be the, be the ball handler in a pick and roll. So, um, Furkan instilled with more confidence than he already had could be a dangerous guy. <laughs> so, um, I'm super excited for him to come back. And like I said, this is, this is a problem you want to have as an NBA team. You got a lot of shooters. You got a lot of young guys that could play, you know, some are versatile, some are, are a little bit less and you just have options and that's not ever a bad thing. And you, if, if it comes down to you having too many options and you need to trade one of these guys to give you, you know, other options elsewhere so be it. And that's okay. Um, but having these, having these options is never a problem and it gives you some flexibility in a lot of different ways. 
but to go on from there, um, I, I, I briefly mentioned this uh, a minute ago. There was a report, or Doc said on Rich Eisen's show that there was a couple of Daryl Morey trades, or he had shown him a couple of trades that Doc kind of like vetoed. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on that. I don't want to dive too much into it because we're kind of running out of time. And like speculation is just annoying at this point because of all the speculation that's happened recently. So just what, what did you gather from that, um, from Doc saying that he's kind of vetoed some trades or that there's been some back and forth? And obviously it was cordial and it, it was professional. Like, I think that that Doc and um, Daryl have a great relationship mm-hmm. from everything I've seen. So um, just that that kind of balance of power between the two of them and, and Daryl kind of consoling or kind of uh, considering what Doc wants for his team compared to what he just, what Daryl wants um, in making this team. So it's, it's really nice for me, I think, to see the two of those guys working together so closely, but I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that's my biggest takeaway too. Is I, I like that they're working together, that they're putting their heads together to make these decisions, and it's not kind of just a a man behind the curtain as we've kind of seen in like years past with this team. And like there is kind of complete like everybody's on the same page and working together to do what's best. And I think to me is I guess it's kind of like a little bit of like a ripple effect with this report that is kind of like a big deal but to me I would be surprised if there weren't offers thrown the Sixers way or that Maury hasn't had his nose peeking around seeing what people are worth or what the deals are I don't think this team is a complete finished product yet there I think we're for sure going to see at least a a small deal or two if if not something bigger with Maury by the time the deadline comes so to me it's kind of a, a no news kind of thing but good to hear it still was promising yeah, I I liked it. Um, and like this is this is a cohesive unit, and um, as much as we love Sam Hinkie, everything that we've heard from players and and people uh, around that was like he's a good dude, but you never see him. And players like when we interviewed Tony Roden early on, um, he basically said he never talked to Hinkie like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he maybe met him like four times, um, and he played here for three years. So like there's a little bit of a difference between the way, I mean, like they, they kind of get molded together, uh, Hinky and Maury, but Maury is way more visible, like all the time. He's on Twitter. Sure. He's active online. Um, he's very clearly with the, he works with. So I, I love it. And I love the fact that doc is saying, this is, you know, they brought me in first. So um, this is my team still. And this is the team that I, I came here to coach. So let's do this together. And Again, Doc's seeing these guys play every day. So if he has a plan for them, then I trust his plan. And and Daryl Morey is there as well. And, and you know, in close contact with these guys and, and with Doc making these decisions based on what Doc is saying and based on what he thinks and analytically and, you know, in their budget. So I it, it, as much as it kind of scared me that it was like, oh, they were like really close to making a trade potentially. It was also like there's a really strong foundation behind all of this. And the team looks good and the organization seems like it's being run well. So that was a huge positive takeaway from that for me. So I was just, when I heard that, I, it made me feel good about, you know, just the team in general, but also the, the relationship that Doc and Daryl have, because they're going to be, you know, they might outlast most of the guys on this roster. So that's going to be important going forward as well. Yeah. And, and to real quick uh, stick up for my boy, uh, Hickey was also in a very different era in that like True. Maury is very focused on building this team and, making it a championship contender. Hickey did not genuinely know who was still going to be on the roster year to year. So there was not a need really for a personal connection with that. And it's for sure, mainly their personalities between Maury and Hickey. But uh, I I think it made sense at that time of being to not kind of get close with players. Uh, Totally, 100%. Yeah. And as far as like the the now, uh, 
I, again, it feels nice to have kind of a stable front office and the right people in charge, which it, it feels like forever since like we've had kind of a, a real team up there. So uh, yeah, I, I guess for me, it kind of just reaffirmed and it, that was a good, it was a good feeling to hear that. Yeah, totally. I agree. Um, so we want to wrap it up here quick. We're going to do a new segment on the Pixel podcast called Double Dip, where me and Sean will both take up a t- uh, bring up a take from the past or something we you know might have said a long time ago or might have you know been on record of saying a while ago or even recently that you know even if it doesn't look great now you still believe in. So a double dip meaning you know I'm doubling down on my take. And that take for me is one we've discussed a lot today and that I think Ben Simmons is fine. Um, I double dip for the day is that Ben Simmons is going to be up in the, you know, 16 to 18 points per game again, come February, March, he's going to be fine. We're going to see all-star MVP or not MVP. Sorry. I got a little ahead of myself. All-star game, Ben Simmons type player again, uh, defensive player of the year uh, type play again. I'm, I'm not totally worried about Ben. Obviously I have some concerns, but um, to double down on this, Ben Simmons is going to be just fine. Okay. For uh, me, so my first thought here was obviously the uh, recent James Harden deal and how I missed that, but I feel like that's too toxic to go heavy into. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Joel Embiid will be MVP this season, and I just think he is still proven. There's nothing to me to show that he's going to, like, slow down anything, and I understand, like, the usage that he's had is pretty off the charts at this point, but I just think he's every bit ready. And I've, again, I've never seen him this locked in this in shape. He looks so ready to go. And there's nothing on a basketball court that this guy can't do. Like he's the, even the little things just like dribbling it up the court and going right at taking his man, getting the matchup that he looks at. So he can attack right away. And that kind of thing, he's getting to the foul line. It like, it feels like whenever he wants to, there's nobody that can guard him straight up one-on-one. And just, I think he's that level of star. I love it. I love that. Um, I'm, I'm all in on that train as well. Um, we're getting back to our basics, Sean. We're getting back to the times where we agreed on everything. So yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, we've gone a little bit long today, so I want to kind of cut it off here. We're going to get this out before the game tonight. Um, the Sixers play the Celtics at 730 tonight, and then again on Friday. Um, follow us on Twitter at PickSwapPod, and we'll talk to you guys soon.